Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Greetings on the eve of a day without women, International Women's Day, um, International Women's Strike. This is Anoa of The Wave of Anoa coming to you uh, just with a few thoughts about March 8th, March 8th events, where we've been, where we're going and what is going on in the state of things. I also have three snippets, well not snippets, but three interviews with three women. Um, As some of you may remember, I was trying to do interviews around the Women's March, right? I wanted to get a variety of opinions from people who did attend, who didn't attend, who were supported, who were skeptical, who just didn't agree at all. Didn't quite work out as I planned. It is it is difficult managing mom life, work life, and my podcast commentary life with you all. Getting better every day at it. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the wide range of interviews like I really wanted to do. Um, it's hard again, not, not, not being able to, to, to do content full time. Right. But I did get some great interviews, you know, ahead of the March from folks who are participating as well as some, some, um, really good, robust conversations that I had afterwards. Um, and just from different, I was, you know, I was trying to hold out to get a couple more conversations in and now we're over a month since I did these interviews but with the with the with the events happening tomorrow with with voices of women being so important at the forefront of so many cross sections of society whether it's the labor movement whether it's black lives matter um climate justice you know we see and this is not to you know men some men get all well what are you know women look okay i got a rep for my sisters there's so many wonderful women out there and i was really really inspired by the three conversations I had, which I will play later on in this episode. But um, one of the things I really wanted to talk about was this controversy over what March 8th is supposed to be about. You know, March 8th is International Day of Women, right? So it's supposed to be a day to reflect and celebrate the contributions of women in society and progress, blah, 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 blah. However, there's also been in recent years that the, it's an international, you know, international strikes. I mean, these are, these are something that go back to the earlier part of last century, um, you know, single day, you know, women's strikes. You know, women have been at the forefront of the labor movement and other strikes and organizing and engaging on so many different levels. I mean, even here in the United States, we see with the fight for 15 and the rise of the fight for 15 and the, the battles. And, you know, when they do their strike efforts, you see predominantly black and Latino women with bodies on the line, you know, yes, I mean, they're out there and that's taken away from paid work or that's time away from kids or families. And so this notion that tomorrow represents a day of privilege. Now, I know I myself have looked at it enviously at people who are able to take off for these days. 
But I also reflect and realize that I use my free time or my availability to take off days to do action um, in varying ways. So I'm not miffed, right? Or I don't, I don't cast aspersions. I may have one once upon a time, but you know, with growth and maturity and reflection and talking to people and learning and reading more at this point in my life, I see the respect, you know, what other people are doing, having, you know, exchanges with women internationally who are involved in, um, this strike effort, you know, to send a message about gender violence and sexual violence, um, you know, just inequality, just, just, just so many different issues. I mean, all issues are women's issues, right? So we make the world move. We don't, we don't necessarily always actualize and understand the power in our voice and presence. And I think that leveraging it in the way that has been proposed for tomorrow and not the manner in which that has been belittled in several different op-eds over the past several weeks, there's some really strong pieces. If anyone wants to read that, I'll try and link as many of them as I can find in the body of, of this post for the, for this episode, but you know, the coming together, the raising our voices is, is valuable. And I know that a lot of folks like looked at the women's march and was like, well, whatever, white women, middle-class white women like to the game. What I really appreciate, I don't entirely agree with that, but I definitely understand and respect where folks are coming from because a lot of people did seem like brand new. And for some people, it was definitely about their sadness over Hillary Clinton, right? And we can we have seen over the past few months since 45 was elected, we've seen people using this alleged fear for, for black people, for 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 Muslims, for 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 immigrant groups, for you know gay LGBTQ community right members. We've seen all of us be used as a shield, as an excuse for this extreme white liberal angst that otherwise makes no sense whatsoever. And not that there isn't a reason to be fearful or concerned or or actually out there. But so many people have already been active and engaged in putting their bodies on the line, doing the work, raising awareness, whether you're dealing with the deportations that happened under Bush. Well, going back before uh, 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 them, Bush and Obama, Clinton, um, you know, I have I have people who have shared stories with me about about things that have happened under uh, former President Clinton. Right. So there, there are deep wounds in our communities in terms of the systemic issues that have permeated throughout American society since it, since even before it was recognized as an actual country, right? So there are wounds that deeply persist from, from actions that have happened long before 45 and his band of madmen, I mean, not even madmen, buffoons, whatever you want to call them, took office and they're still trying to get folks concerned, confirmed to actually take spaces. But reflecting the time and the place, the historical moment we're in now, as well as what has happened is a very valuable and necessary conversation that has to happen. And it can't be all about Russia, Russian hacks. And if only people had done this, we have to have real honest conversations because if we're really about quote unquote, protecting people. 
we have to really look at how we're leveraging opportunity, how we're engaging electorally, how we're engaging socio-politically, and how do we engage economically in a system? Because it's not enough for people to deride actions and say, oh my God, you're bad, while they themselves participate in economic violence against the same people that they claim they're, they're, they're so desperate to protect. And it's really interesting. Like I had an exchange with someone earlier about basically making the comparison that 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 Zionists were to Palestinians as homophobic African-Americans were to gay people within the black community. And well, I mean, really, it was even worse. It was an even worse analogy than that. It was that most African-Americans were homophobic. And yet they still can support Black Lives Matter, which means that most Zionists being, you know, anti-Palestinian doesn't mean that they can't be humanitarians as well. And, and, and so it's that type of craptastic logic that permeates even amongst our so-called allies, even amongst folks on the left, where we still have to deal with the microaggressions and other deeply rooted issues even amongst people who may agree about, you know, 93% of everything else, 80%. I mean, it doesn't matter that we agree about everything else. It just, it does, it does really matter when there are those egregious issues like that. So again, so bringing it back, thinking about March 8th, thinking about what a day without women would mean. I mean, looking at the difference between the way, you know, I think there, there's space to have a conversation, to look at the way the different groups involved have even characterized tomorrow, Right. And looking at the different ways that women internationally have characterized tomorrow and are engaging in work. You know, some women have in solidarity, symbolically placing the, the broom, a broom outside of their door or, or wearing a certain color in solidarity with their sisters. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, there was once upon a time, the big raise where everybody wore the different bands on their arms. You wore the, the, the different, rubber, you know. The, the sports bands in your arms and different colors for, for cancer or ALS or whatever the case may be. People put the stickers on their back of the car. That actually gives hope, right? And meaning to people. <laughs> um, I've shared with folks before, my family is going through it right now with my father, um, fighting the g- very good fight, kicking cancer's ass right now with his multiple melanoma. But but you know, I am going to, I will be ordering bumper stickers for the fam, for the fam bam to put on a car. And while that might not cure anybody's disease at the same time, you know, people get excited when you see something like some visual imagery, it matters. Seeing, seeing, you know, groups of people come together for something they believe in, it does matter. But I do understand the folks who are cynics. I do understand the people who are tired of this, of just symbolism without action. And so we do need to continue challenge folks. We do need to continue to have these conversations about, okay, this is cool, but what next? What is the continuous plan of action? How are we leveraging all of this energy to not just resisting 45? And, and, and granted, I'm not saying that's what any of these organizers and folks have been doing. I've been reading plenty of pieces and following, you know, the work that's been planned and progressing and I'm really inspired I really am I'm really looking forward to seeing what people are able to do but we got to get real you know we have a lot of people out here we're like oh the grassroots folks need to be trained and engaged on how to organize how to build and we don't need these models that teach you to go 
you know, how to call your congressman, that's great. And we do need that, but we need more than just that, right? People need the tools. They have the talent. They got the raw talent. They got the passion and they got the drive. We just need to help people get the tools. We need people to help, help have the opportunity understanding of how to be the organizers they need on the ground and not waiting for someone else to come in and do the work. They can be there already ground one and set the tone for what needs to happen. It's like having block captains, right? We, we, we need folks all over the place. And, and I'm someone who doesn't even believe that we necessarily have to be dim enter versus dim exit versus whatever else is out there right now. I think that you can have collaborative, you know, even if there were, were successful third party efforts happening and not saying that to say that things are unsuccessful, but you still have to be able to pass the legislation to be able to do many of the things that we need to do to correct issues. It still needs to be a collaborative effort. And I think that this focus on party ideology um, detracts away from issues, communities, and people. Um, when we're so focused on whether or not we want to give our heart and soul to the Democratic Party, for example, the Democratic Party is not the issues. The Democratic Party is not the people. And the Democratic Party is not our, our, our communities. It is another corporate entity that is seeking to control and drive a particular message, Right. And that's neither here nor there. It is what it is. It's just, it's just the fact. And what we need to be focused on no matter what is making sure our people at the local state level have what they need to move to the next level. That's what we need to be doing. And so when I look at the March 8th events, again, I myself will not be able to, to take off work. Um, I, this, I had the same issue during the, during the general strike that happened last month. It sounds very interesting and all that good stuff. I'm actually really compelled to be involved in the March 8th events though, right? Because I really do believe in, you know, this, 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 this pushing. You look at the International Women's Strike USA group, um, you know, the, all the conversation about driving a feminism on the 99%. It's basically like, like comments I and others made last year about how corporatist feminism does not represent us right? It represents a very select upper echelon who are able to break through that glass ceiling. We still got sisters who can't even get up on the ground floor consistently, right? So like we have to think about all of us. And when we say sisters, I mean, whether you biologically trans, whatever, whatever the proper terminology is, you, my sister, you a sister, you my sister. So we need a feminism that is inclusive, that is embracing and looking at all those different intersections that's anti-racist, anti-fascist, you know, anti-capitalist, like, 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 and I know we go back and forth about anti-capitalism, but looking at the way this destructive, lazy, fair American capitalism, you know, destroys not only families and communities, but it inflicts economic violence on us, depending upon where we're situated on the, on the identity spectrum. So I think that, you know, we need to keep an open mind about these events. Now, do we need to have just a bunch of strikes to nowhere? Of course not. But we saw, you know, there have been women's strikes in, 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 in so many different areas in Latin America. We saw the women's strike recently, I think about a year ago, several months ago in Poland. I mean, women stand up and decide enough is enough, the earth moves. Like one of the most powerful examples of women doing something, and no, not hidden figures, which was pretty awesome, you know, a couple black women 
putting a man on the moon, phenomenal. But no, seriously, where there's a group of moms in Chicago, you know, everyone's always talking about the gang violence, the violence, the killings in Chicago, group of moms in Chicago who were sitting out and taking watch in the neighborhood and they were shutting all of that down. The moms was out in the neighborhood, shutting it all down. Not the dads, not the uncles, not the police. It was a group of moms. It is a group of moms. You know, and so often we see mothers, we see grandmothers, we see aunties, we see Miss So-and-so from up the block. You know, we see daughters and nieces and the young young college women who are leading the charge. And again, this is not to belittle anyone else, but this is Nash, this is Women's History Month. Tomorrow's the International Day of Women. And, and this is what I'm representing right now, okay? Like I look at my daughter and her friends and the genius and brilliance that is shining from them. Seeing the collective action of women exuding you know, their voices and their, their collective experiences. We don't, to be a collective, we don't all have to be the same, right? To be a cooperative, we don't have to be the same. We don't have to have these false notions of unity that require sanitized reductionist visions and versions of who we are and what we believe in. We can have an embracing and wide reaching, you know, platform viewpoint that embraces all of us. And so that's what I get when I look at, you know, the different pieces about a feminism of the 99%. That's something I personally can get behind. Something that looks at all issues, right? Yes, choice is a, choice is a, is a big issue for women, but choice is not the only choice for us, right? And choice is also, especially when you start talking about reproductive justice and you get to them deeper levels of conversations, choice and reproductive justice and reproductive rights there are so many other things that go into that. One of the things I learned when I lived in West Virginia were about environmental toxins and how that can inter interfere or impact our reproductive health. I'd never even considered that before. So there's so many different overlaps with all these different issues. All issues are women's issues. So looking at the way the international women's strike groups and international women's strike, particularly, you know, the USA group and other groups, I know folks get hung up on what they didn't like about the, mar the Women's March on Washington or X, Y, and Z, or, you know, ooh, wear red, it's going to come, it doesn't look good with your pink hats. I'm not about that. There are so many different women who participated in those events, and, you know, just from seeing what's been going on with women with the sister marches and stuff, there's so many more who are going to be involved tomorrow. People are inspired who had never really, you know, done anything like this before. I, myself, am going on almost two years of, you know, digital organizing, engaging, activism, um, at a height in a way that I've never really done before until I got involved with grassroots stuff side for the Bernie Sanders campaign. I mean, came from a socially conscious background, family, but I had kids young. I was focused on being in school. I didn't really get but so involved in stuff. So this has been an eye-opening opportunity for me over the past, like I said, almost two years. This June will be, just June will be two years. And, but so I see women and yeah, maybe, maybe they need to read a little bit more. Maybe they need to get hip. I need to read a little bit more too, but I'm not going to shun people who are willing to listen, to learn and to share space and be present. Right. I think those three things are powerful, are more powerful than no matter how many random people wearing their pink pussy hats with, you know, no care concern for anything that's going on. But the three women who will be introduced within each segment. Um, they are the women I'm talking about. 
They come from different walks of life. Also check out, like I said, the, the, the three interviews I did ahead of the Women's March. Um, the three women, these three women are women who, who, who they're different walks of life, you know, different, different parts of the country, um, and different reasons for participating, different degrees of activism and engagement, but they get it. They're willing to learn, to listen, to share space and to build, right? Because it's for, for, I don't scoff at people who say 45 was a wake up call. 45 was a wake up call for a lot of folks, not just people who had never been engaged before. 45 has been a wake up call for a lot of folks. We can't afford to turn away people who are willing to do the work, people who are willing to make a donation, people who are willing to support us, to build, to engage, to grow. I mean, we can't. That doesn't mean, though, that in the process of building collaborative or collective efforts that we have to shut out or silence a part of our identity, our experience, or our voice for the sake of unity. And that, I think, continues to be the tension going forward and something that we'll definitely have to pay attention to and work on. But I'm excited. I'm motivated. I'm, I'm definitely going to, I think uh, the international color is black. The, the, the U.S. color is red. I'm probably going to have on, you know what, I might, I might take it all the way old school RBG, wear some red, black, and green um, Malcolm, Grass, Malcolm X Grass Movement, New African People's Organization style. Holla. I've been talking a lot. I have three wonderful interviews coming up, like I said. Um, thank you so much, you guys, for, for, for hanging in there and listening to me and growing and changing. But I think that, you know, we need to reflect. We need to take times and we need to have honest dialogues. We need to be respectful with our honesty. You know what I'm saying? We don't need to be making people cry unnecessarily. But at the same time, we need to be able to talk through and work through what's going on. And we also need to help educate each other. You may have found some tools or resources. You may have some knowledge or book suggestions that I may not have heard of before. And that's 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 great. That's appreciated. I may, I may be able to drop some jewels and knowledge. And I, I might be teaching you something. The three women that you'll get to listen to on the rest of this podcast, they, you may be learning something new. I will say that when Laura and I first had this conversation, like I said, it's been over almost two months now. It's been a month and a half since we had this conversation. Laura was talking about Indivisible before it became what it is right now. So again, keep this all in context and context and stuff. Um, Again, life is busy. Would love to try and follow up with folks as much as possible or do another round, couple of roundtables. That would be great. But I just want to share these voices, these vignettes of women and their experiences um, as we're heading into, you know, the International Women's Day. Tomorrow's the strike day. But these are experiences of women who participated in the Women's March from the end of January, um, the J21 action. Um and I definitely look forward to being able to follow up with women that have been organizing and involved with, with, with the March 8th strike to see what's coming next. So tune in. Don't go away. I have three wonderful women coming up to share their voices with you. All right. Peace. Bringing you another personal conversation chat. Um, like you guys, as you guys already know, this is the way with Fanoa and I have been doing a series of conversations and discussions with various activists, organizers, and participants, participants of the women's marches, as well as those who did not attend the women's marches, any of the women's marches. I am talking now with Laura Sabransky. How are you doing this evening, Laura? Good. 
Good. Great to talk with you. Yay. Thank I'm excited. <laughs> um, Laura and I first got connected through Women for Bernie. It seems like so many moons ago. But Laura, you did. You've been very, very active, you know, in the Chicago, Illinois area. Um, you know, were you able to attend one of the marches? Oh, absolutely. I uh, was on the Facebook page of almost as soon as it launched. And um, I went to the march. And, well, it wasn't really march. We had so many people. <laughs> I guess some people marched at some point. But um, almost as soon as we got there, the, um, the marshals, the volunteer marshals said to us, well, the march is canceled. Um, and we're just holding the rally. But, of course, people were milling around. And so to be very late kind of made their own march, and some of them marched up to Trump, oh, to even his thing that was um, Trump Tower, you know, and, uh, and and went off into other, you know, places too, and then the rally was pretty long, we didn't hear all of it, but, um, you know, there were um, a number of speakers, and I really want to give the organizers a huge, huge um, round of applause, gratitude for uh, it looked like a lot of work they did to um, make sure that the speakers were coming from, you know, many different types of organizations, mm-hmm. uh, representing different kinds of people. I saw, you know, Arab Americans, um, BLM. There's a there's a, there's an organization called Mass in okay. Chicago. Um, uh, Mothers Against Mental Killing. They sit down in corners. You know, and oh yes, and, I've heard of this. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you on those corners that there haven't been any killings and or even any shootings. And so, like, if we had moms sitting on all the corners, I'm thinking this would be, you know, if that's probably to me like where all the funding should go. But anyway, we only heard part of the rally, but I'm just saying who I saw on the list. Um, I should have pulled that up so we could I could tell you. Um. And so one speaker I heard who I saw, she she moved me the most. And I thought, you know, I've heard a lot of speakers at a lot of rallies. Um, but she really, you know, got to me the most in that she challenged the audience. Mm-hmm. I, thought she, I thought she was brilliant. And the one, she was Native American. I'm sorry, I don't remember what organization or, you know, who she was representing or her name. But... She said, you know, unless we take action after all these marches, then this mm-hmm. is just a pep rally. This is just a pep rally. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so, and thinking about, you know, the organizing that you've been involved in and then, and then you know, the experience of this march, what do you, what do you see... Um, what do you see is is next, or what have you what have you already been working on, and how does this maybe fall in line or move things forward? Well, <laughs> I was working on um, climate change issues before I became a Bernie delegate, um, or, or actually before I became a Bernie delegate, I started working in his campaign. So I organized um, the thing I'm proudest of is we took eighty you know Bernie volunteers to Iowa to canvass. Mm-hmm. Many of those people had never done anything like that, so they were introduced to canvassing and political work and campaign work that weekend. Um, and so, of course, through the campaign convention, I went into my post-convention depression. I have to say, since election, kind of been, um, you know, not really knowing what I wanted to do. 
Um, and, you know, so, you know, so I've been doing various things, but not really any kind of focus. Um, and then I saw this indivisible guide came, come out. Okay. And um, so this guide is uh, written by, it's called Indivisible, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. And it's written by former congressional staffers who are progressive. And they're advocating that we use the, the tactics that the Tea Party used successfully. Um, and I want to make clear when I discuss this, you know, not being becoming Tea Partiers. Right. Um, you know, not, not, you know, not that kind of ideology or, you know, being racist or, you know, right, right. That we're going to spell our signs correctly. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, and, and the things that they did, they did them I, you know, in the extreme and, and not exactly, you know, I think the way we would do them. But um, but the things that they did are standard. You know, I used to be a, a grassroots organizer for Respective Choice when I was a woman voters when I was you know, a lot younger, you know, early 90s. And, you know, it's... It, these are standard things, you know, you set up, you know, you try to reach the people who are, um, you know, are in power and, you know, are, have, you know, the influence to, to make change um, mm -hmm. in the formal way. Obviously, we're the change agents. We, us Bernie people know that, um, you know, or anyone who's been an activist, we know that the change comes from the grassroots. But if you actually want to affect policy, you know, you have to reach the people who make policy. Um, right. Whether or not you like them, what, whether or not they vote your way, you have to make yourself known. Um, because, you know, they're, you know, essentially as a voter, if you've just been a voter up until now, essentially, um, you might feel like you're really valuable to them when you get close to the election, because they're going to make you feel that way, because they need your votes to get reelected. But the day after, you know, they're on the phone or they're, or they're at a dinner with a fundraiser. Because these guys, these lawmakers, these elected officials, especially at the you know congressional federal level, they're spending. I've heard up to seventy percent, but I've heard more along the lines of close to fifty percent of their time fundraising. So, yeah, you know, I've heard that, that too. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when they're back in their, when they come back in the district a lot. So that's the good thing. Um, you know, because they're here fundraising. Um, of course, we always see they're holding a town hall or whatever. But, you know, like my congressman, sometimes you call, and I think one time I called to get to talk to someone with his staff, and they're like, oh, well, you know, you won't get in a plane for about a year. But yet you see him back in the district all the time doing the photo op, and, mm -hmm. you know, at the Hawks game. And, and I'm sure that was an exaggeration, I'm hoping. Because um, I have gotten a meeting for, like, a move-on group with him. But... Uh, the point being that, you know, they're with people who are influencing them, and that and those people are their funders. Right. Or, you know, and so if you're not in their faces, if you're not, if they don't know who you are, and you haven't held them accountable, which means, you know, at some point making their life difficult, um, and, you know, then we're not doing our job. We're not doing our job as citizens. And... So that's what this guide is all about. It's, it's steps to, you know, reaching your lawmakers. And, okay, so if you can't get that meeting, then 
and in addition to as well, even if you do get a meeting with them, you want to be out in public with them. You want to be at their town hall. Um, and if if you have to go further, um, you know you have you know you're you're working with the media. You're out, you're protesting out you know in front of their office. We just did this with my Congressman Quigley, the only Democrat in in Illinois who was opposing TPP. All right, so up for the TPP. All the rest of the Democratic congressmen in Illinois were opposing it. And he's the only one. And he said he was going along with what Obama wanted. I have no idea. This was before the election. I don't mm-hmm. know if he thought he was going to get some special position at this point. I have no idea what this was about. Um, I thought it was very odd that the rest of our Illinois delegation was against it and he was for it. But in any case, that's done. <laughs> um, it might be like the one good thing about something then. But, um, you know, so we were out there protesting. So, you know, you have to, like, keep at it. And these guys are, they're like anyone else. It's, you know, they're, um, this isn't as hard as some people think to get them to listen to you when you put them in an uncomfortable position. But if you let them just keep doing what they're doing, and you think just by making phone calls, you know, and being private about it, uh, you're going to get anywhere. No, you know, our, our action has to be public with them at some point. Right. So, so this guy, so this guide talks about how to form your own group locally. Okay. And how to run, and how to run that group. It's a great guide. It's well organized. It's easy to understand. It's easy to refer to. And so I, I just started a group in my neighborhood. Well, with my sister, that anyone could come from anywhere, but um called the um, Winning Warriors, <laughs> because I was in a mood. I was in a mood the day I formed that. I was very upset with the Democrats, especially the two Democrats, Warren and uh, Senator Warren and um, Sheriff Brown, um, I was very sure came on, um, who voted for Ben Carson um, to get out of the banking committee to go to the full vote, you know, the, the HUD nominee. Um, the same guy who ran as president and said that he wasn't himself said right. he was So I'm fired up. I'm just like, okay, looking at the people who were went to the Chicago march, and I can only judge. I didn't talk to obviously a lot of people there because everyone's listening, and you know. But judging from what I saw on the the Facebook page before you know, the march, and then as well as after. Um, The sentiment and where, you know, people's energy is right now seems to be more along the lines of they're angry. You know, the Trump got in. They're, you know, they got past their shocks. They're now angry. I'm going through all those stages of thought. Um, And, you know, and they're about fighting him and the Republicans. And so while I would I would always encourage people to do anything they wanted to that's, that's you know, um, beyond what they had been doing before, you know, uh, for any issue you want to work with or any organization, uh, you know, along the lines of being a progressive and, you know, trying to move our agenda, um, I would say to me, it seems like the people, especially the people who have not been involved that much before, they're about this right now. They're about resisting the Trump agenda. So that's why I really like this guy. Because I'm 
trying to remember back when I had, I, I guess before I had ever done anything like this before, mm-hmm. I was with the League of Women. I was with the League of Women Voters, and I was with women who were amazing. They knew what they were doing, and they guided me. So I guess I was never in the position that I'm seeing some people in now where they're wanting to do something, but they don't have that mentor or they don't have, you know, they're not with a formal organization or group yet um, that's saying, here's a structure. Here's how we do these things, right? Um, so that's why I really like this guide because anyone can go get it, you know, off of Indivisible Guide, inter, you know, dot com and, and run with it. Wow. That sounds, that sounds like, that sounds like really the type of thing that's, that's, that's not only just missing, but like necessary right now, like giving people the tools and the resources to do this, you know, kind of, you know, DIY, like on their own. Um, because even though it, it, for for there are many people out there who have been doing this type of work for a long time, and this may come second Mm -hmm. nature to them, but for so many people, we're talking about like average, everyday, ordinary citizens getting involved, it it seems like, you know, foreign, it's like, it's like another language and stuff. So having something that breaks it down, um, and kind of like the how to, you know, but yeah, how to do it yourself guide, like that just sounds like what's really necessary for people to be able to be active and engaged in this era, not just in resisting Trump, but in really moving the needle and increasing civic engagement in our communities. Um, so that's, I, wow. Like, <laughs> as I mentioned before, when we talked previously, like I've seen it, it's been sent to me, but now I'm definitely gonna have to sit down and check it out some more, um, a little bit more. I got, I, I got you fired up, huh? I got yeah, well, attention. yeah, you got my attention too. And it's not that, it's not that, it, it, it's not that, you know, the people who sent it to me didn't have my attention, but you know, there's, there's so much, I'm, I'm falling in the same trap as so many other people, right? There's so much I, going on. I, there's so many different I things know. or whatever. You're like, Oh, another guide, another thing to look at. But, but hearing you, you know, hearing someone else who has gone through it, you know, and who kind of gets it, talk through it and talk about it. You know, it makes, it makes a lot of good sense. And it's definitely probably something to start sharing around with other folks I know too, because I, I, it amazes me, even people who are like, you know, professionals who work in certain fields, like for example, um, I participated in, you know, I, I went and was able to bear witness to the March that happened in Washington. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I was with my, my godmother's best friend. She's a law professor at, at UDC law school. Um, and it was cool because we just walked through, we walked the entire perimeter of, of the March area to wow. see like how far it scaled. And it, we, we were started on the mall with the law school group. And then we broke up for them for a little bit. We went over to like third and independence and then we walked all the way down to 14th. You know, DC has kind of long blocks too. So it was like 11 right. DC blocks, blocks long and probably about four wide, maybe um, three, four wide. I'm not really sure. I'm guesstimating. So it was a very large area of people. <laughs> So, you know, we walked, yeah. we just walked through, we, we, you know, we, we, we were people watching, sign watching, you know, we stopped and chatted with people. But even when we were having this experience, you know, she, UDC is a social justice school. There's a lot of stuff or whatever. And it's just like, it's so wild when someone that's so like in touch with certain aspects of, of, of things is asking me about like what's going on organizing wise. Right. And when you start seeing the disconnect between like, we have all these great lawyers out there that are doing like social justice driven work, but they're not necessarily, unless they're, unless you're a national lawyers guild type of setup that's directly working with groups maybe, or even like some of the folks who work with like Chicago Mm -hmm. bail fund, Mm -hmm. 
there's a mm-hmm. disconnect between what should be a natural fit, right? So even when someone like that is asking me questions about how do they do stuff, I'm like, I'm like, my mind is blown. I'm like, you know, you're like one of my mentors. Yeah. You should know this stuff. So, so I definitely no, think that that type of guide is is good for so many different people. Um, that sounds I, I also, awesome. I, yeah, I also like, and I, I not meant too much. The thing that I like too is it's really focused. You know, to your point, you know, there's so much. I can only imagine, like, here you and I, like, know about these, you know, different progressive organizations or different, you know, like, you know, with different groups of them doing, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine coming coming into this because let's face it, okay, I'm going to sound a little, okay, I'm a Bernie person. I was a Bernie delegate. So <laughs> but this, is the tr- this, is, this is the truth. I've heard this from people. There were people who voted for Clinton who thought that's all I need to do. Yeah, and you know, Clinton, Clinton herself said that I saw her in interviews. Like, just put me in there. I know what I'm doing. I get things done. You're in good hands. And it was kind of this idea that you know, you wouldn't really need to be um, organizing on any on these issues because I got this. You know, right. and I I I can see that message being really attractive, but then obviously, you know. No one was thinking about what well, she doesn't get in. Right. You know? Right. And so we had a bunch of people who, you know, like I said, have to their credit, have seemed to have gotten over their shock, you know, for not getting in and are now saying, wow, it is on me. And so imagine all and, and then everything Trump is doing. And let's talk about the personal thing, too. My opinion is that we would not have had these marches or we would not have had as many people in the marches if Trump, that, that you know, audio video of, you know, the pussy comment had not mm-hmm. come out. I right. think people are, rea- I think women in particular, and I know me too, like are reacting on a very visceral level to him. And I was quoted in the New York Times calling him a walking trigger alert. And <laughs> it, it still happens. I, I am I am trying to figure out what my like media diet is going to be right now because I tried to watch that interview last night and okay. I I did for a couple you know with him and I did for a couple minutes and I was having still like some PTSD stuff like this morning you know oh, and I yeah. I just I just can't I'm very sensitive I'm very sensitive to his I could have even turned the sound down and I, I probably would have been affected so so I guess when I'm trying to say, you know, that um, here you've got all that going on for the individual, especially, you know, female, you know, in these marches. And by the way, I was really, really, really happy to see so many men and, you know, really being their own person there. Like, not just I'm here supporting, you know, the the, the, the female I'm with. Like, they really seem, you know what I mean? I really right. felt like we were all we were all equals in that march. But especially for women, I think I think there's so much going on with us related to him, and I can only imagine, you know, what should I do when there's all this coming at you, um, you know, or all these possibilities. So I think this guide is it focuses you, and I would never say only do this if you have the energy and you know time to be, you know, doing anything you want on this. Um, go for it but mm-hmm. this to me is, is helping me focus because I'm one of those people's off in a million directions 
I also want to say, as you were talking, you made me think of something really important that I, I have not heard brought up. Okay. So these marches were obviously, hey, we're here, Trump, look at us. There are millions of us. We're here. We're here to stay. We're going to keep fighting. I think that was kind of one of the main messages, right? Um, mm-hmm. The other thing, the other thing that's critical, and and um, I know for a fact that you know the Democrats needed to see this too, because right. if you have a Democrat back to this side, if you have a Democratic, um, you know, lawmaker, uh, you know, they needed to see our power too. Because let's face it, us Bernie people know, and again, I am still bitter about this, but, you know, that the Democratic Party did not engage progressives. And what right. I, just, I, just talk, I just talked to U.S. Senator Stafford today, and I said, look, there was already, obviously Trump is in because we have a, a climate of populism in our country right, right. now. Bernie's voters represented the populism on the left. Okay, now Clinton doesn't get in, and we've got in these marches, we've got Bernie voters, and we've got Clinton voters. Yes. And I said, guess what? We're all going to be working together, and we are now together, the populist movement on the left. And I said, so you guys, Democrats, are going to have to pay attention to that. Like, we're, right. you know, maybe we, maybe we all haven't gotten together yet. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we won't all totally get together. But I'm saying in those marches, that's what that represented, that we are all on this side now. And so to me, this is another way that we, and again, in a sense, I really don't care about the Democratic Party. I'm not, my, my life's commitment is on helping them. Right. But we have an office right now, right? We only have the one independent, as far as I know, Bernie. So, we have to deal with this there now. So while they're there, uh, you know, I am going to make it, you know, one of my goals to get them to not only recognize us, not only engage us, but um, for us to become the party. And again, this is what two parties did in a very short time. You know, we need that party to be, have a radical transformation if they're going to survive. So, do you know? Do you hear what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. so now that we're all in this together, and that and and the Democratic, you know, lawmakers, and elected officials looking so positively at what we did, and saying, "Wow, they are really out there. They're right. going to do something. They are a force." Well, then they're going to have to pay attention to us too. That's my hope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely think that that's a great note to leave it on because um, I think you, you 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 definitely hit it right on the head. I mean, that they sit up, they have taken notice, that they continue to take notice. We've put them on notice. Um, now it's just time to, 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 to you know, continue doing the work. Um, so thank you, Laura. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me and to share, you know, your story and, 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 and what you've kind of gotten out of all this thus far and I look forward to future conversations and always sharing you know your work and 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 other stuff that you that you you know put out there so thank you oh you're welcome I enjoy it very much all right 
say, I, I swear, every time I get on the phone, like, she'll be perfectly fine. I'll probably hit on the phone, and then she's just like, oh, no, I need attention. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, um, Brianna, you, you are in San Diego, and you participate. Did you participate in the local sister march, or did you actually travel to D.C.? No, I can't. I stayed here in San Diego. Oh, um, I, nice. I, I stayed. I had actually, it was funny. Um, I had originally wanted to go to the LA one, but I just wasn't okay. able to, I couldn't like make, like make it happen. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to the, the one here in San Diego. I was kind of iffy about it because the head person, I forget her name, mm-hmm. had sent out like a couple, two or three weeks ago, had sent out the rules and regulations of mm-hmm. the march. And just the way it was worded, it just didn't sit right with me because I am fairly active in my community. I do other protests and marches and rallies and oh, stuff. Oh, very nice. So, okay. um, what was it like? No, saying cool. I mean, so what were what was it about it that kind of made you hesitant? It was just like it needs. Oh, go downstairs and get the iPad. I got it charged. Go bring it up here. Um, she was just. You can unplug it and bring it up here. She was just very, like, it was very strict and it was very, like, no, you need to make sure that um, you guys can, like, have whatever you want on the signs, but it needs to be peaceful. Like, she was very stressing that uh, it needed okay. to be, like, like, and not that I'm against that, mm-hmm. but, like, just my experience with going to other protests and rallies and stuff, like, there's never, like, that kind of. Right. Okay. Structure as far as just bulls, like right. I mean, it was really long. I didn't. I was just was looking at it. And I screenshotted it and I sent it to another friend, of, another activist friend of mine, and mm-hmm. she was just like, "I don't like her telling me what to do." <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, I thought you'd find this interesting." Um, so I was late because okay. I don't have a car, and my daughter and I left an hour and a half early, thinking that would be plenty of time to get down there uh, okay. originally um i'm a woman studies major at san diego state okay and like my school the women's start studies department actually had a group marching together with a spine and everything so okay. i wanted to try to march with them so i couldn't like it was so many people like right, i think even right. on the event page it was like 21 22,000 had rs like saying that they were oh, going to go wow. Um, so, and I think that final head count was like around 40,000 Wow, is what the news was saying. So it was a decent sized turnout, especially for San Diego, because San Diego is pretty quiet on that, on mm-hmm. the home front when mm-hmm. it comes to protests and rallies and stuff. Like I think the biggest one that I had been to here in San Diego before that was a few thousand. Okay. Ah. Uh, no, there'll be internet up here. So, um... We were late because I got to the trolley. Chris, my daughter and I got to the trolley, and there was a long line, and we waited in line for an hour mm-hmm. just to buy a ticket. Oh, wow. And so that's how we got there. They had already started the march, but since it was so big, we were able to just, like, hop on in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we, it was a fairly short march. I was kind of surprised that it wasn't longer. Mm-hmm. With as long, like it was, I mean, I guess maybe because the uh, the ages and how many people were going to be there, that right. was some of it. I don't know, because I don't know how long the marches, like just looking at the news and stuff of some of the other marches and stuff, like comparing them, I thought it was pretty small, like okay. the distance. So we started at like downtown, like San Diego Civic Center, mm-hmm. and we marched through downtown along the waterfront and ended up at the, there was, there's this little area where the, you can 
with the water, there's like this waterfront park and a courthouse. And we met out, we stopped out in the middle, or out in front of the courthouse. And so I kind of expected that there to be like some speakers and some speeches and stuff or something to go on while we're there. And I think the whole entire time that I we marched, which maybe, I don't even know how long, I didn't even time it. Um, that we got like one, maybe, okay, one, maybe two flyers the whole entire time okay. and I was just kind of shocked that that's all that was there like that I okay. didn't run into any other like people, groups that were trying to like recruit or anything and then um as soon as we got to the stopping point she was just like okay talk to your neighbors there's a lot of good food around grab one of them go talk and discuss what needs to be done next is the next step okay see you guys later and she just totally kicked us out <laughs> Oh, wow. So there wasn't, so there wasn't like a, you didn't march to like a rallying point or, or like you said, with speakers. Like she, or... stopped us, she stopped us there. She kind of sat there. And I get that there's, um, there was so many people, there wasn't enough room for everybody, right, I don't think. Right. So I get that. But at the same time, they could have had tables, like tents. She could have talked to right. organizations and had people table. Um, she could have even put a list of organizations, like nonprofits and groups and stuff here in San Diego to like, for people to be able to connect with. Right. That, like, you know, for whatever causes that they wanted to work alongside to get involved with or whatever. Right. And, or, you know, or encourage the groups to bring cards and flyers and everything. Right, right, to, right. Like, to recruit. Because, I mean, in the end, that's what the protests and rallies are supposed to be, is rallying people together for a purpose. Like, there's mm-hmm. an end purpose. There's a call to action. And there just wasn't that. And so, I was really I see. I was really disappointed in that. Just because, I mean, I've been to enough rallies, enough protests and stuff, like, to see. I know, like. Right. What, I mean. And so there for needs me, to be an ask. Like a, yeah. It, 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 for me, it felt more of a parade than it was a oh, actual like protest. Okay, and it was interesting because I was talking to another couple of like activist friends of mine, um, and we go for a lot of the same type of um, rallies and protests and stuff together here. Right. So like I was analyzing it with a couple of them, and they they were saying the exact same thing. Like. One of them, he said that that was the least amount of flyering that he's ever seen that any protest he's ever been to. And like last last March, um, a group of us went up to the International Women's Day March okay. up in Los Angeles, and like they had tables and tents, and like even as we were standing there waiting, like gathering around to rally. Mm-hmm. They had, like, lots of flyering and, like, join our group, join our group, you know, like, a lot of recruiting. And that's, and then every other, like, even, like, the little Black Lives Matter group things that I've gone to and anti-police. Mm-hmm. So I, they've always are handing out, like, this is our next meeting, like, come, come to our next meeting. Right. Like, stuff like that. Like, there should have been that. And it just wasn't there. And they didn't, she didn't make any... I don't know. Like, I feel like there was, like, because with 40,000 people that were there, that, you know, if you could have, like, retained, like, even, like, a fraction of that, that would have been a lot of new, like, community activism, like, people getting involved with the community. And and there was a lot, you know, people there with organizations and stuff, and it would have been a good way for organizations to be able to, like, get to know each other and, like, Mm -hmm. work together. Or there's a lot of people, like, I talked to a couple people that they just last minute decided to go. 
because, you know, since it was like a national thing, like right. people knew about it. So what made you, so, like, what made you interested in going? I was, well, I was interested in going just because, well, originally, I'm a photographer. Okay. So I do, I always take my camera with me whenever I go to these sites, just the events, just because if I'm there, I want to document in it anyway, because I see the difference between what actual, the reality of everything and what is perceived on the news. So, and like, you know, mainstream right. media. Absolutely. So I am very, like, I very do my best to, like, take as many pictures as I can just to document the mm-hmm. truth versus <laughs> documenting things. Because, I mean, just, like, with stuff, like, even watching stuff going on with Alongo, like, because, you know, Alongo was murdered out here. Yes. And watching the media and the police, like, everybody, like, trying to sweep it under the, mm-hmm. the rug and everything like making the protesters look bad and they're like oh they hired a whole bunch of people from chicago and la to come out here to, to make it worse i was just like are you kidding me like <laughs> surefire way to slander any action is the accused people being paid like, protesters or outsiders yeah right? it just it, it frustrated me so i was like and especially watching um, people that i know and watching people out in alcohol because it was a little bit more uneasy so I didn't want to take my daughter to those to those ones that were out in Oklahoma. Right. Um because they were the and it wasn't even so much the protesting, it was that the police officers were aggressive. Okay. And so okay. I didn't want to put my daughter you know, I didn't want to put my daughter in any kind of a way harm So yeah. you yeah. know, so I've been but I've been on top of it, like watching when everybody anybody's out there they were like live streaming or whatever, I was watching it and so like watching exactly like the police were saying that some of the protesters were trying to start fires, but it really was the fight the the, the tear gas grenades that were, had started the fire that okay. the police threw yeah. at them. But anyway, um, so like I went to this, I was kind of just curious too to check it out because I was just watching at the build up to this. Like I was curious to just go and even just observe. So um, the San Diego Free Press here in. Um, is a little volunteer newspaper, progressive newspaper. And so they normally, she had asked me to actually attend and then, um, like, give them pictures. But I didn't end up having my camera that day. But I wouldn't have been able to because I was pushing my daughter in the store. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then and the, and the, and the end of everything, I was just like, I don't know. I was kind of just, I was, I was disappointed. Just because I kind of expected more to come out of it, with so many people attending, there should have I don't know. Right. Um, so what are you thinking? So like, I, like with 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 some of the things that you've done, you know, as a women's studies major, some of the things that you've done locally or even in your region. What do you? I mean, so I hear you, and this is that is a complaint I've heard from people, even like when we were in Washington. Not that it didn't happen because it's such a huge march. I have no clue what happened in all parts of the march. But some of the guys I was with who were covering, they were on a completely different side than I was, and they were saying they 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 had the same complaint. It's amazing you have all these people out here, and no one's con- like out here collecting email addresses, or no one's handing out stuff, and and I, I've heard that that complaint from people, and and that's why I'm interested in talking to people to see how things were on the ground in different places. I do know some marches, mm-hmm. some organizers did work very closely with local 
you know, especially people who had never really organized before, they worked with local activists and organizers to like develop mm-hmm. next steps. So they were able to, like you said, a call to action. They were able to say, here's the next steps coming forward, you know, come look out for this. So like with the New Jersey one, for example, but like, but it's good to hear from people like the different experiences. So, so what do you think? Like, you know, everyone's talking about resistance and these different, you know, we're in a movement moment now, but having been involved in stuff and also seeing like a lot of things that needs to be done going forward. Like, what do you think, you know, coming out of these marches, what, what do you think should be done? And I, and I definitely appreciate the oh point about God. the actions, but as a mother of a because, young daughter, I mean, wherever, whatever angle you want to take it from. Oh God. I mean, you know, it's so funny because like I first started getting involved like mm-hmm. on campus because I go to San Diego State and do right. my own studies major, you know, like, so like the very first stuff, like, that, like I was getting involved with was just campus issues, okay. like take back the night and sex, campus sexual assault okay. and, um, just like some stuff there. And, um, I am recently out of a domestic, like an abusive relationship. So I've been taking more of a stance of um, domestic violence too. Like um, I have more of a personal, (laughs) you know, for that, but then also like she's mixed. So I'm, I'm Korean um, or adopted from Korean and she's black Mexican and black Mexican, white and Korean. So like for me, like I have very much have, for me, I see this is her future. Like anything that's happening, like, anything like even like well especially with everything that Trump's trying to push through you know that's her future but even but especially like seeing everything like with police violence and everything else like I, it makes me more more aware of it because I don't know how how is she going to be profiled you right. know because she is a person you know a person of color mm-hmm. how you know how is she going to get treated and it's been interesting too because like I've been taking I take her to as much as I can with me because I want her aware. I want her to be fully like engaged in it because mm-hmm. if this is how like I, this is important to me, it needs to be important to her. And it's been interesting because she's four and a half and um we went to a Trump protest the day after the election. And okay. it was kinda big. There was a few thousand people downtown LA or in LA. I mean downtown San Diego. And um, it was, like, two different groups that, like, really quickly, like, organized it together. And we met downtown, and we marched. Like, it was supposed to end at a certain time, and they just decided, no, screw it. We're going to keep on marching. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. you know, they had police. They had – we had police escorts and stuff. But then as the later it got, like, the more agitated the police officers were getting. Right. And then even, like, more people were coming out, and it was getting a little bit more rambunctious. And I noticed there was a lot of young – a younger crowd mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, they were college age or just barely college age, maybe high school out there. And so like some of my friends were there and they are there. They're all the protesters out in Alcohol. So they have a target on their face because of what they've been doing out there. Right. And so right. the police saw them there and they actually targeted them and actually ended up arresting like 12 of them that night. Oh, and it wow. was just them just them and they weren't doing anything but it was interesting because like i've learned to watch for the signs of when i need to hang back right 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 (laughs) you know like like, fight or flight with my with her and so like i mean i want to be there but at the same time i need to like know to want to protect her so it's interesting because then like some of the riot police were starting to come in and 
it was, it, she was just like, are they going to go, like, take people in cages and make, take them away? And I was just like, um, I don't know yet, Christine. And this other lady pops, pipes in. She was a white lady. And she was just like, no, they're here to protect us. And I'm like, I want to be like, you know what? Shut up. That's not always the case. <laughs> Like, wow, the difference like, in experience and perspective. Don't, like, don't don't be sugarcoating like right. the truth. Like, what's really good to potentially, you know, like so. But she actually sees, like, she sees them. Please, I was like, oh wow, because she sees them. Like, I've actually had to tell her, no, some there are some good police officers. Mm. There are some that are out to help. But like, she really has. You're doing good. You're doing good, Mama. No, seriously, they they absorb more than you realize. These these early, my parents were very active, progressive types, and would drag us to all types of stuff when we were really little. And I remember, I'm the oldest. I remember all of it. <laughs> so you're doing good. You're doing good. Yeah, but it made me happy because I was glad that she's absorbing it all in That's that good. she understands. Because yeah. I, I want her to have the reality. I don't want her to have, like. I just got really upset. And I didn't, like, mouth back off to the lady or anything. Mm-hmm. And then there was another person that was just, like, on her phone. She's like, I can't believe they have kids here. And blah, blah. I'm thinking, okay. Our like, kids need to be aware. It. Our kids need to be aware. They need to be engaged. It's, 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 they need their to be future. Alert. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, if you sugarcoat it, what if, they, if we sugarcoat it for them now? What happens when they're like older, when they actually understand what's going on, and they like, wait, this is not what you thought us. Right. Like, they're gonna figure it out sooner or later. I mean, especially if Trump's in the office for you know who knows how long. Yeah, hopefully not That's too crazy. long. But um, but thank so, you. Yeah, we we've been talking. So 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 you're absolutely fascinating. I'm actually gonna have to call you. <laughs> oh, good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time. Um, you know, to talk to me just about kind of your experiences and thoughts about the women's march and the sister marches that happened. Um. Now, where did you attend, or did you, well, let me just make sure, did you attend a march? I did attend the march, um, the main one in D.C. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. It was really exciting. Um, I and many women from my area mm-hmm. um, actually went down on buses. I didn't know anybody at the time, but I certainly made some friends throughout the day. And um, it, we were down and back the same day, so it was a long day, but it was really an amazing day, too. Okay, okay. And um, what made you, was there, a, was there a march in your area? There were ones closer. I live in central New York, and so okay. I actually did one in Seneca Falls there with um, some of the women's rights history. And that was kind of my backup march if I couldn't figure out a way uh, to okay, get okay. Um, that's a couple hours, so I would have for sure been at that one um, if I didn't have a chance to go to DC. Okay, so. nice. So, what made you? What, what was it? What was the call? What, what was it that that made you want to go to DC? Well, um, you know, I think for a lot of people, obviously, the outcome of the election was disappointing, mm-hmm. um, and certainly, it's disappointing when your candidate doesn't win. But this is so much more than that, and so much further than that. Um, kind of normal election defeat. Right. Uh, the policies that were talked about during the campaign, the people that were put forward, um, you know, for cabinet positions, just it's the whole extra level of, yeah. um, okay. of disappointing out there. 
Um, and when they first announced the march, I was like, oh, my goodness, is this really going to come together? And then we had some really fabulous organizers who really knew what they were doing, particularly women of color who've been out there um, organizing and rallying people. And really, by the time they had listed the lineup of people that were going to be there, Angela Davis and, um, you know, Danielle Monet and some of those others who ended up being there, I, I knew I couldn't miss it. I just okay. had to be there. So. Okay. Awesome. So how, how did you, cause, cause I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was there surprised we didn't 500,000, 600,000 people surprised we didn't run into each other, but, but, um, <laughs> but, but it was, it was a very powerful experience. I think being amongst so many other people and, and so everyone had their own different motivating factors and stuff. Had you, had you, this was this kind of your first, you know, you know, venture into like rally activist life or had you done some other stuff before this? Well, um, when I lived back West in Idaho, mm-hmm. I ran political campaigns for local candidates. And oh, so nice. I did everything from phone calling to voter ID to door to door, to standing on street corners. Okay. Um, I, rallies at the state house so i had kind of done that and then i've been out of that world for a while okay and really when we moved further to the coast i still live in a rural area in new york but further to the coast the east coast that's actually one of the things i looked forward to this last couple of years watching on social media what happened in ferguson what's happening in north dakota with mm-hmm. the dakota access pipeline my heart is so there with the people who are standing up right. um but I'm a mom. I've got young kids, and okay. um, my husband has a job, and so I I am so proud of those people who have that opportunity to take time out of their lives and really go to the streets and really stand up for people's rights. Absolutely. And I am now that I'm geographically in a place where I can take part in that too. So. That's great. How old are your? If you don't mind my asking, how old are your little ones? Yeah, yeah um, I have a biological son who's 13, and okay. then. Um, have adopted two daughters from foster care. They're oh, nice. five and two. Um, one is African American and one is Latina. Okay. And so, being an adoptive parent, uh, racial mother has—I don't—I don't say that it changed my point of view, but it's mm-hmm. really made me more intentional about intersectionality in my feminism and really being um, a good listener for people of color. Mm-hmm. They also have disabilities, and so kind of something. At it from, you know, am I being too ableist? How would um, their disability affect their ability to get a job? Or how does their educational opportunity, what does that look like? And so, you know, my renewed activism kind of comes from being a mom there, too, and really knowing that I have these girls that I have to stand up for and figure out how to help them navigate their way in the world. Um, sometimes a scary place for... Right women of color so um, they need every hand that they can get and if I need to stand up and, and do this for them now I will wow you're that is that is I mean I just I just I love talking and hearing everybody's different stories and and it's 
you know, like what drove them there and then what's going on in their own personal life. So thank you for sharing a little bit. Um, definitely yeah. understand about the joys of, of having a 13 year old boy. <laughs> I have one as well. <laughs> um, but I think what you said though, is very real about, you know, when you do have certain responsibilities that you have to balance, it is hard to be as active, you know, on the ground and personal that you, as you would, as your heart wants to be. And we try to find alternative. Exactly. I, I, I find the same thing with, with, with work and my, my two kids, mine are 15 and 13 so mm -hmm. um what are some like like looking forward and I, and I I love what you just said about you know making sure that your daughters you know not only you know know that they're they're that the world is theirs too but that you're willing to I mean they're, they're your girls so of course any parent yeah. regardless without the other things that you mentioned any parent is going to well any good parent is going to make sure their kids have what they need to be right in the world. So I, I definitely, that's powerful and that's very valuable what you just, you know, that, that, that section that you shared. So looking forward, right. Thinking about, you know, coming the energy out of the marches and even considering the fact that you do have a family responsibility. So what do you think about, you know, being able to be, what do you think needs to be done? What do you see being able to be engaged in kind of, what are you, what are you seeing like going forward? Um, after like sure. where um, we're at now well, i have it uh, as a personal goal to do at least two to three political actions a week and if that can be being in the streets with the signs mm -hmm. that's that's great but if it's as little as calling my senator or signing a petition or sending off an email to someone that's what i'll do and so if i keep that goal in mind and and um i think really especially right now it's so easy to get overwhelmed with um right. the barrage of crazy, horrible things that are yes. happening. Um, and the best advice I've seen is to pick a couple of issues that are really close to your heart, the things that you can really focus on. And that doesn't mean that the other issues aren't important. Absolutely, they are. But we have to be able to focus our energies right. and um, really focus it on those things that are important to you. I would say, like, right now, one of my top is the education secretary um, nominee. Yes, that, that agreed. That's put forward. Um, I mean, I think she's an absolute disaster. And so I have signed numerous petitions. I've sent off um, emails and phone calls to my elected officials. And so if I can stay on top of those things and everybody else can step up and stay on top of their issues, we are making a difference. We're delaying nominations. I think um, Congress is finally sitting up and taking notice of the people, maybe not as much as they need to. But really, if one good thing can come out of this election, it's if people really wake up and become activists and mm -hmm. really see that civic engagement um, redevelop for Americans of, you know, all different economic and ethnic backgrounds, that might be the one good thing that comes out of this election. Definitely. So. No, definitely. I mean, it is. It, that's 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 really. I know some people balk at the idea of looking at a silver lining in all this, but but like you like you just said, no, seriously, you. It's really easy to get down or even depressed about the fate of things yeah. right now because of like you said, everything that's coming out of news and things like that. But but I but but I love like like from talking to people and hearing different stories and stuff. That is what helps me, and that's one of the reasons why I want to talk to people too. Because I thought like maybe if you hear that someone else like, hey, that's kind of like me. Okay, so I can do it yeah. too, or it's okay. So I think that's a really really strong point too. So, um, anything else you'd like to add? Like I appreciate you so much for 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 for, <laughs> for doing this. Um. No, I just, I think uh, people just need to stay engaged. They mm -hmm. need to stay on top of the media. 
and really demand accountability um, from the people. Um, we can't be in this position where we're letting our democracy slip away from us and right. really not stand up and say, no, we're not going to let this happen to our country. We're going to drive the direction of of policy and morality and how we value people and families in this country. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stand up and have my voice heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate sure. you taking the time to Absolutely. just a little bit of time to, to, to share your experience sure. and, and talk for a little bit. Thank you. Sure. Well, it was wonderful to talk with you too. And uh, I look forward to hearing your interviews from other folks also. This concludes this edition of The Way with Anoa. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thought that was shared today. We Today is International Women's Day. Um, you can tell the way I work, things are done over multiple days and even in some ways weeks. But here we are. It's important that we continue to produce good work and have good conversation with good people who are really trying to engage before moving. Today is March 8th. When I, when I started this, it was sometime in January originally, but it's been great having these conversations, getting to know women, getting to know more. Check out the, the links in the in the post for um, some of the articles about the International Women's Strike. Um, and look out for some of these organizations to see more about how to get involved. I, I think it's really interesting how to see the way the grassroots, the way, you know, leftist feminist thought is really driving change on a lot of fronts and as we see the fight against Planned Parenthood and so many rights so many aspects of our lives we're it's it's going to force a change in conversation and direction and that's actually hat tip to Miss Winnie Wong this morning um that said alt-center feminist groups will be talking about capitalism in a very different way today. And I, I really, I do hope we're, we will start having a different conversation going forward. And if we don't have one willingly, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to force the conversation because there's a lot at stake. It's not just all resist 45. He is, he and his crew are awful, but we have to start leveraging opportunity and creating sustainable change so that our children are not litigating the same exact battles or worse. So again, this is the way of Noah. Appreciate you guys a lot. Peace.